0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: The following is a presentation of Treasure Island Baseball Network.
0: Going beyond the box score and the diamond, this is the show with the latest news and information on your hometown nine and the entire organization. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. And good afternoon, Twins Territory. Welcome to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Twins and the Giants, final game of this three-game series coming up here at Target Field today. Twins are seeking an interleague weekend sweep, winning big on Friday, a walk-off walk last night in 10. And today, seek the sweep behind Aaron Sanchez and longtime Royals pitcher Jacob Junis Supposes. For San Francisco. Welcome to Inside Twins. I'm Corey Provis and our guest on the show today. Always a treat to be joined by Twins General Manager Thad Levine back in the chair for the Sunday show. Thad, thanks as always for joining us. What's happening?
1: Oh, it's it's great to be here, and even more glorious after two wins and a, a walk off one last night, which was pretty
0: epic. Yeah, it was certainly a, a night to remember last night. A long game had the lengthy rain delay, the chance there in the eighth inning. It went by the wayside, momentum on the Giants side, but then the ninth inning, it changed drastically.
1: I, I mean, I think when you're looking at a team, like one of the things that you really hunt is those moments where you see utter resiliency, and that was what it was last night. Down, down to the last out, where we had kind of our heart stomped on in the eighth inning, where we had first and third, nobody out. It felt like we squandered an opportunity. They come up in the in the in the eighth, in the ninth, and they do what they should do, is they tacked on, and then all of a sudden we're back down to our last out, and we're facing one of the best closers in the game, and that's when we really stiffened up and we showed that we were not going to we were not going to break we were going to bend and we bent a few times in the game but we never broke and just tremendous stars up and down the lineup last night but what a great night by Carlos Correa but then Jake Cave getting an opportunity to contribute in both of those opportunities and I think you just saw his raw emotions out on the field and that was really authentic that was very genuine and true Uh, this is a guy who is dying to contribute to this team has had his, you know, sparing opportunities since he's come back up, hasn't really materialized for him just yet. He gets two opportunities to come through last night. He does that and then some, and you just saw the raw emotions out on the field. And I think that's just where the players reveal who they are. They're just like us. They're exceptionally talented in one thing, and then they're just like us in the rest. And the amount of pressure and anxiety that he had been feeling to manifest in those two moments where he got a chance to really contribute, ultimately lead to a win, uh, was just exceptional for him, and I think the whole team rallied around that. You saw the whole dugout, you know, elevate once he got a chance to come through.
0: Jay Cave is a very popular player amongst his teammates, and that you can ask any of his current teammates and the guys that were with him in St. Paul, the guys that are still in St. Paul, did you have a chance to watch him much in St. Paul this season because he put together a wonderful year.
1: Oh yeah, you you know, we we've made so many player moves throughout the course of the season and you know, certainly some by design, some that were forced upon us based upon injury and Every time we talked to the, the coaching staff down there, Toby Garden High would say, hey, keep an eye on Jake Cave. Like He's really performing well. And each with each passing month, he seemed to be getting better and better and better. So we were very aware of how well he was doing. I think our criteria for bringing him up was when we thought there would be a path to like, real playing time. And so a lot of the, the opportunities earlier in the season just didn't present in that fashion. So we just let him keep gaining some momentum down there. Uh, and so by the time he came up here, he really had busted the, through the door and just forced our hand. He had to come up. He was performing so well. And, you know, I think one thing that, you know, hopefully kids see out there in Jake Cave is no matter if he hits a soft ground ball or a hard ground ball right at a position player, he busts his tail down the line every single time. And I think it was recently. Uh, when we were on that road trip where he actually then forced a, a mistake by the, the, an infielder because he was running so hard. Uh, like His effort every single day is what you see on the field is exactly what it's like in the clubhouse, and I think that's why he's endeared himself to every one of his teammates.
0: Now we've told this story so many times over the years with Jay Cave and describing and defining that hustle that he does display every single day. It goes back to Little League when his mom threatened to pull him off the field if he didn't run again. This was Cave playing Little League ball, and he still thinks about that and wonders if he doesn't hustle at Target Field today, if his mom may come get him today and just bypass all the ushers and come rip him off the field.
1: I mean, I think God bless mothers across the world for for instilling instilling that level of excellence in all of us. Uh, But I think that's just a reflection of who he is. You know, he doesn't take anything for granted. He is a Major League Baseball player who's playing like he's a Little Leaguer.
0: Carlos Correa came up right before Cave last night and put the uh, drove in the Twins first run. Correa had the home run on Friday, had a four-hit game last night. But finish this sentence for me. Carlos Correa has had what kind of season as a first-year Twin? So, I think I
1: think it's one that requires more analysis than the superficial. So, I I think Admits what he did last night, I think the, the at-bat I'm thinking of is the, the ball that he smoked into the left center gap, and the left fielder was inexplicably standing right there. I want to say it was 110 miles an hour off the bat. It was hit to a part of the ballpark where I think it was like a 98% chance that that was not only going to be a hit, but it was going to be an extra base hit. And I think that's a little bit of a microcosm of what we've seen out of him, certainly as of as recently. Uh, you know, when you look at one of the stats we, we look at is WRC+, plus, which effectively accounts for how much above average is this Hitter performing, he's been sitting about 20 to 30 percent above league average the entire season.
0: And league average is 100. And league average is 100. 125, 130 is what you're saying. Exactly
1: right. And that's not too disparate from where he's been throughout his career. However, some of the superficial stats that we all look at uh, don't seem quite aligned with that the the home runs and the RBIs and, and stuff of that nature. So I think when we look at that, we say it's just a matter of time. You know, last night, what he did last night, it was just a matter of time before he was going to do that. So it's not too late. If he could go on a run where his actual underlying performance matches his outputs, we may be in a very good spot to to watch something pretty special down the stretch here.
0: Can you break it down as specific as this, that, yes, there have been some hard hit outs and that, that line drive you referenced, Case in Point. How often is he making that kind of contact, though, with two outs and runners in scoring position? Because that number has been odd to look at all year you know, before last night, and now including last night, five hits all year with two outs and runners in scoring position. Has he been making that same hard contact in that category?
1: So I, I think what you're illuminating is, like, what we would say over a time horizon, those things will even out, you know, that that we, we don't necessarily believe that the performance in those situations are going to be that disparate from overall performance. But I think what you're talking about is, like, where he's a human being. He he came to this team where he's trying to make a mark he's trying to elevate a a very good franchise to a being a playoff talented and excelling franchise and i think you know it's it goes without saying that he's taken a level of pressure on himself that he probably hadn't assumed previously in his career so i would hope that over time that that would come correct and you would see him just perform consistent with his career norms but it doesn't surprise me that at the outset he's applying a little bit more pressure to himself in those situations and as a result isn't performing quite as freely as he normally would.
0: How differently is he being pitched without Byron Buxton batting either in front or behind him? Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I think you see it. I mean, teams are really, you know, he's seeing some of the best pitches you're going to see all night. And that's no disrespect to guys like Jose Miranda or or Arias or Shella or guys who are hitting around him in in the order. But I just think pitchers are so aware of the damage he can do, and they're trying to steer clear of his barrel. And so I think there are elements about, you know, he is an accomplished hitter in the game. But I think if you were to talk to him, he's also one who's evolving. He understands how the league has counterpunched him, and he is working feverishly to try to counterpunch that that counterpunch. And I think that's going on. The cat and mouse game is going on very much for him on a nightly basis.
0: He had a, he had a nice return to Houston, not so much statistically, but just the, the feeling that I'm sure he he felt. He and his family being back in Houston, the Astros had a great video tribute to him before the game on Tuesday night. He held court, had about a 30 minute media session before that first game. And he was asked, you know, point blank, could he see himself playing in Houston ever again? And he said, right now I could see myself playing for the twins for a very, very long time. When you hear something like that, what went through your mind?
1: Um, Elation, honestly, you know, like I, I think that's a really honest human response. And, we are extremely appreciative of that. I think it's a mutual feeling uh, that we feel as if this guy has had a real significant impact on our franchise that will be felt for years to come, but no greater impact than if he was actually in our uniform and playing for years to come. So when the time is right, we're going to have those conversations uh, with Carlos and his group. Uh, but I think we're extremely encouraged to hear that the impact that we've He's had on us is reflected in the impact that we've had on him.
0: The time that that you referenced to have that conversation is that something you you foresee not happening till after the season ends, whenever it does wind down.
1: I think it will be in between two and three p.m. <laughs> today. <laughs> all right, so just know someday, just okay. someday, okay.
0: someday between two and three.
1: Yeah, you know, I, right. I I think we're we're first of all we we never you know, broadcast or advertise uh, when we are having ongoing conversations with players. But I think just naturally speaking, especially with where we are in the season and we, where we want the focus to be 100% on the field, we've got a lot of work to do to do, do what we ac- set out to accomplish this season, which is to win our division. So that's where we want our singular focus to be for our players, for our front office, for our coaching staff. So I think we're going to keep it on the field for now, and then we'll address it when it's appropriate.
0: And Carlos Correa, by the way, after the game today, tonight he's going to be at the State Fair. He's going to be at the State Fair tonight. Uh, he's going to bring, uh, I think, his young boy Kylo out there and Correa's game to win some stuffed animals, I'm told, darts. Darts and balloons. That's where Carlos is going to be at the State Fair. and He mentioned that at his press conference. He was here, the Astros were here a couple of years ago, and it coincided with the State Fair, and he had a, he had a great time
1: out there. Well, you know, I, I, I'm sure fans got a chance to see the video last night of Ryan Jeffers and Royce Lewis yeah. being out at the fair. It's like it's incredible that – the players really love it. They, I think it brings out the kid in them, but then also, like, I, I think you guys saw it. And, like, Ryan was talking about the time he had on the, the wiffle ball field and, like, mm-hmm. throwing pitches to kids and watching them hit bombs and, like, just love every second of it. And I think they soak it up. I think they they see the kid in themselves in those instances, and it's really a chance for them to touch the fans and feel the fans and feel their heartbeat. All
0: right, good stuff here with that, Levine, as we start our Sunday show. When we come back, some injuries to catch up on with Buxton. Horry Polanco had to leave the game last night. At as well. Trevor Larnick, it sounds like he'll begin a rehab assignment this week down in Florida. Details on that and much more to come. Thad Levine, our guest Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer and our Sunday show continues next on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Twins GM, Thad Levine as our guest on our Sunday show Twins and the Giants coming up About an hour from now, injuries are piling up at at the worst possible time, and Jorge Polanco had to leave the game last night. What's the latest on the twin second baseman? So,
1: you know, Jorge has been dealing with this for a little while, and I, I think one thing we should highlight with Jorge is he's probably one of the biggest warriors on our team. I mean, if you look at the back of the baseball card, such as this still is featured on the back of baseball cards. Like, the game's played. He's led our franchise over the last three to four seasons. So he plays through a lot of uh, minor injuries. He's, he's had some inflammation in his knee that he's been dealing with. It stems back to when he dove uh, to home and, like, kind of bounced on his knee and created some, some discomfort there. And so we're just trying to manage it. And I think... You, know, you mentioned that the, the injuries are mounting, and I think that's fair. I think we've got a lot of guys coming back right now, and we still have a lot of versatility on this roster. And with that versatility, we're allowed to give him a day or two if he needs it right now uh, to try to, to get a little bit better. I'm not sure anyone's going to be 100% going down the stretch, but we need him to be in a little bit of better of a foundation on his legs. And we're in a position where we can afford him that latitude. And I even said it to him today. He's picked up so many guys throughout the course of this year where he's posted when he hasn't felt 100%. Allow somebody else to do that for him right now. He's earned it. He certainly has to take a day or two if he needs it to get right.
0: The longest tenure twin, and for the first time in his career, was finally on the Major League injury list. For the first time this season, that was with the bad back, yeah. middle part of the year. Are you pretty confident this will be a day-to-day setback and no... 10-day ILC yeah, that, that, required.
1: yeah, that's that's what our, our team doctors are telling us right now. And I think what you just said, Corey, is just pretty remarkable. I mean, this is a guy who plays every day. He's playing the middle of the diamond, and he plays hard. You know, he plays both sides of the ball extremely well. The fact that he's never had an injury when – I can tell you, as, as somebody who's worked for the team, he's been on the injury report quite quite a few times, and he just plays through it. So this is guy's a warrior. He deserves all the credit in the world for what he does, posting night in and night out. Once again, he's going to take a couple days here if he needs it. Uh, if it's a day, terrific. If it's more than that, We'll, we'll abide by that, but I think we think we can avoid an IL here at this time.
0: And as you said a moment ago, it's not all bad news on the injury front. Big week upcoming for some guys either getting close to a rehab or in some cases beginning a rehab assignment this week?
1: Yeah, we, we've got some guys turning the corner right now, which is really encouraging. I don't have a hard and fast timeline when they'll be activated, but I can tell you Trevor Larnik is tracking to to start DHing early next week. Uh, this week, upcoming, and that's very exciting for us. Winder's been pitching. We've got we've got Bailey Ober who could be going out on a rehab assignment here in a couple days. We saw Kyle Garlick come back and immediately impact this team. So we've got a lot of guys tracking right now in a very positive light. Byron Buxton's doing well. I, I think probably a little bit less clear on the timeline right now, but we're still within that you know ten day window of his. I also we're very hopeful that he's going to start tracking towards coming back soon. Tyler Malley is, is really doing well, and you know he can be activated as early as September 2nd, and I think we're looking to slot him back into the rotation pretty soon thereafter. That's obviously up to Pete Mackey and, and Rocco exactly where they're going to slot him in, but there's no reason he couldn't slot in in a timely fashion as well.
0: 25-pitch mm-hmm. a bullpen for Malley, I believe, two days ago, yes. and, and it went pretty well is what I was told. And pondering another bullpen, but to your point, it, it seems like that a rehab assignment, a rehab start is not – in the plans that we may see Malley pitch in the White Sox series next weekend?
1: And this is a fine line, candidly, in terms of like when to send a guy out and when not to send a guy out. And I think some some of it you rely on the medical staff. Some, some you rely on the player himself and how long he's been down. But in this case, there was a little bit more of a fatigue issue than anything – with his arm, he's building back arm strength. He feels great. He's had accumulated a lot of innings throughout the course of his career and certainly this season. So I think we feel a little bit more confident that he may be able to give us an indication as to whether or not he needs that rehab assignment. If he needs one, we'll send him out. But right now he's tracking towards pitching in the big leagues.
0: Yeah, We could tell, and you—you you, uh, everybody could, that something was not right with Malley with his fastball in that start was 88-89 for a guy that was 93-94. And it got us wondering in the booth, his pregame bullpen, Is velocity, do they look at velocity? Is there a radar gun out there? Those pitches that he'll throw after playing catch in the outfield. He gets on the bullpen mound. Would they have noticed a red flag at any point during that session?
1: Um, I don't. We don't have a gun on guys in that situation, okay. but but I think that you know when you have the pitching coach and the bullpen coach out there, and even the bullpen catcher, they give you some pretty good feedback as to what they're seeing. The one nuance that's unique about Malley is that if you look at his track record, he's he's done better the second time through the order than he did the first, and better the third than the the first as well. And it's in part because his velocity tends to climb as the game goes on. So what we saw was what you saw, which was that the the Velo was a little bit down in the first inning. We were hopeful that that was just the climb that was going to take place. But then when the second and third inning, it kind of held, if not declined a little bit, that's when we realized something was wrong. But he's a guy who will start the game around 90, finish the game around 95, in so doing average a 92 to 94 mile an hour fastball but it's interesting it usually gets better as the game goes on it clearly didn't in that case and so we shared some concern. Now the one thing that was pretty remarkable is that despite only throwing 86, 87 he still pitched pretty effectively and I think that just speaks to how good of a pitcher this guy is um, and, and that's very encouraging because when the velocity is back and you marry that up with the quality of pitcher he is, I think that's what we thought we were requiring a guy who could you know start game one or game two of a playoff series.
0: Two other pitchers I wanted to ask you about that, I, that I've been reading about about the last week or so, one is Kenta Maeda. Has a decision been made if Kenta will pitch in some capacity with the big league club this season?
1: Yeah, so, you know, that that's something that is ongoing right now. And, and this is one that always has a, a little bit of a gray area because when you're coming back from surgery – the, the time frame you, they purposely tell you it's it's going to be 12 to 14 months or something like that. So it's, it's something you monitor literally on a week-by-week on a week basis to see how they're doing. So I think more conversations to be had with the pitching coaches and, as well as the medical staff and Kenta, quite frankly, to find out if this is something we're going to push towards the end of the year. And that those decisions have yet to be made, but I think clearly something we're going to have to address in a timely fashion here.
0: What about Randy Dobnak? He's been back. He's been throwing some in some games down in Florida as well. Could he be in the mix to, to work yeah. his way back up to this club at some point?
1: I should have mentioned him earlier. He's certainly somebody who's shown some positive uh, trends and, and, you know, good for him because, unfortunately, he's just been marred with some setbacks through this process, coming back from a pretty rare injury in and of itself, uh, you know, a recurrence of that injury and then a few setbacks in addition. So, It feels as if he has not been part of this big league team for quite some time. He has a chance to be very much a part of this big league team in the very near future. So he and Ober and Winder are all kind of tracking back at the same time, which is really encouraging to have that level of depth and strength to add to our our pitching core uh, before the end of the season. Is there enough time
0: left in the season? to have all three guys stretch out long enough to use them as starters, or if they do join the team at some capacity, most likely, considering the calendar, it'll be out of the bullpen.
1: So, so I'm gonna say I, I don't think so. You know, I don't I don't think we would take the time necessary to build all these guys up to, you know, say 90 to 100 pitches. That being said, I do think with the expansion of the rosters, albeit adding only one pitcher here in September, They have the ability, if they came back in a three-inning capacity, to continue to build up to potentially four and five at the big league level. So we may be able to build these guys back up. I don't think we're going to take the time to do it all before they get activated because I think we recognize they have the ability, each of those guys, to impact our big league team pitching in two- to four-inning stints.
0: Last thought before we take our final break. I'm glad you mentioned September roster expansion. So we're at 26 right now. It goes back to 28 September 1. Uh, There are restrictions with, with how many pitchers a team can add with the two roster additions coming up.
1: That's correct. So we can add one position player and one pitcher, okay. no more, no less. So I would imagine every team will take advantage of adding at least one pitcher and then for us the the challenge will be we have this swath of players who are going to become healthy how do we manage that roster to effectively add as many of those guys as possible without being too disruptive to the to the current roster
0: all right so the cap of pitchers will go back to 14 and then a position player will join as well once we get to september one we'll take our last break come back and wrap up inside twins with thad levine next on your home for twins baseball Final segment of Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Just about 90 seconds left with Thad Levine. Let's close the show with today's starting pitcher, Aaron Sanchez. A guy that's been around, he's been a giant, and today makes his third start as a twin.
1: And he's done a great job for us. I mean, he he really fought tooth and nail in AAA to to be put back on the radar screen. He's come up and saved us a few times in these spot start situations. And you know, when we talked all about the injuries we we have endured earlier, it's guys like Aaron Sanchez who've helped us stay competitive this season and stay within shouting the distance of the division so we we are very appreciative of what he and others have done for us this season
0: and the injuries that he has overcome wasn't it all finger related didn't he have like something happen with a suitcase then he had issues with the seams one year and no. recurring blisters right
1: right and then these are you know very unique injuries and we, we've experienced a little bit of that with him you know in the minor leagues and the major leagues here just managing the blisters but I think he has so much greater knowledge now of how to stay ahead of those things so that they derail him far less frequently
0: all right, sounds good. Thad, thanks for joining us today. Enjoy the game, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for having me. Uh, we thank Thad Levine for joining us here on the Sunday show. It's Inside Twins, brought to you by Killeber Root Beer. And we are just getting started on our day long coverage here on the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Coming up momentarily, Chris is standing by with today's Edana Realty pregame lineup card. Then we'll have game three at 110 Twins and the Giants. Sanchez for the Twins, and Jacob Junis opposing four the Giants. We thank you for joining us. More to come. Twins and the Giants, the pregame show with Chris Atterbury is coming up right after this on your home for Minnesota Twins baseball. You've been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killabrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has
1: been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.